On the surface, it is a quaint archaism, but it speaks of a deadly trap. Filthy lucre is used four times in the Old King James Bible, and in each case it refers to a grave temptation for gospel ministers, a temptation towards money. Here is one example from 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 2. Peter writes, Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be. Not greedy for money, or in the old King James Version, not greedy for filthy lucre, but eager to serve. Lucre comes from the Latin word lucrum, from which we get lucrative. It just means profit. The underlying Greek word is a compound word meaning unclean gain. So here's what we're being warned against. Unclean gain, base profit, unjust money, filthy lucre. The repetition of this biblical warning about filthy lucre four times in the Bible should make us think. Why are gospel ministers particularly being warned against filthy lucre. We should think about that, but rarely do we. I mean, many times people have joked with me, you know, what attracted you to the ministry? It can't have been the money. Ha ha. Everyone laughs except the apostles. They were worried about ministering for money in the first century. What about in the 21st century when Christianity is big business? Listen to uh, John Bunyan speak about the dangers of lucre in Pilgrim's Progress. He writes about Christian's journey, and he says, Then Christian and Hopeful went till they came at a delicate plain called Ease, where they went with much content, but that plain was but narrow. So they were quickly got over it. Now at the further side of that plain was a little hill called Luca, and in that hill a silver mine, which some of them had, uh, which some of them that had formerly gone that way because of the rarity of it, had turned aside to see. But going too near the brink of the pit, the ground being deceitful under them, it broke, and they were slain. Some also had been maimed there, and could not to their dying day be their own men again. Then I saw in my dream that a little off the road, over against the silver mine, stood Damas, gentlemanlike, to call to passengers to come and see, who said to Christian and his fellow, Ho, turn aside hither, and I will show you a thing. Christian said, what thing is so deserving as to turn us out of the way to see it? Damas said, Here is a silver mine, and some digging in it for treasure. If you will come with a little pain, you may richly provide for yourselves. Hopeful said, Let us go and see. Christian said, Not I. I have heard of this place before now, and how many have been slain there. And besides, that treasure is a snare to those that seek it for it, it hinders them in their pilgrimage. Luca is indeed a snare and a hindrance. So how can we avoid it? Peter tells us to be shepherds of God's flock that is under our care, to watch over them. Basically, Peter is saying, look, don't be miners digging for riches. Be shepherds caring for the sheep. Miners treat their treasure as an it. Shepherds, literally it's the word pastors, shepherds treat their people as their treasure. Think of Philippians 4 or 2 Thessalonians 2 where Paul calls his people his crown. It's people who are the reward of Christian ministry, not things. That's how shepherds should treat their flock because that's how the good shepherd has treated us. 
Ask yourself, why did Jesus shepherd us? It wasn't for any gain in wealth. He did not enrich himself to be our shepherd, quite the opposite. As 2 Corinthians chapter 8 verse 9 reminds us, he who was rich became poor so that we through his poverty might become rich. Jesus impoverished himself for us. But that doesn't mean he was disinterested in his shepherding. No, Hebrews 12 verse 2 says, Jesus went to the cross for the joy that was set before him. There was gain for Jesus in his shepherding. There was reward for Jesus in doing what he did. What was the reward? It was us. What was the one thing that he gained through his pastoring? It was us. That's why it was worth it. That's why even the cross was worth it. He wanted us. Once we've grasped this, we've learnt the secret of life and of ministry. Immanuel Kant wasn't so far off, really. He said that we must not treat people as a means towards some other end. We must treat people as ends in themselves. We shouldn't use people. We should love them for their own sake, not for the sake of getting something else. And that's what true love is. It's a love that we first receive from God. He loves us not to get anything out of us, but to get us. And now 1 John chapter 4 verse 19 says, we love because he first loved us. And so I love you, I minister to you, not for what I get out of it, but for your own sake. So when I'm tempted to minister for shameful gain, as it is in the NIV, or filthy lucre in the old King James, I should realize that that is a perennial temptation. But I must look to my Father poured out in Jesus. He has loved me with everything. He has been given to me for no other reason than that he might have me. I have been loved for my own sake and not for selfish gain. And now, knowing his generosity, I can look, secondly, to the flock of God that is under my care. And, And now I can love, not as a means towards some further end. No, the people who are around me, the people who God has put in my life are not there to be used for other things. They are my crown and my joy. They are my reward, a far greater reward than any snare or hindrance, a far greater reward than that imposter, filthy lucre.